You're listening to the Yak Legion Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Carell. And tonight I am honored to have the American Tackle Pro Staff Director and Fishing Charter Captain of Captain Moe's Fishing and Charters, LLC. I have Captain Moe on here tonight from American Tackle down there in Florida. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going great, Zach. A pleasure to be with you tonight. Now, yes, sir, man. It was good. We had a lot of fun down at ICAST this year, man. <laughs> we always do. We got, always do. You, you guys did an outstanding job on the setup of the booth. And, uh, man, everybody was just on top of their game at ICAST this year. Uh, you guys were front and center pushing the products and uh, really being a, the face of the company, man. And you guys just knocked it out of the ballpark. Congratulations, man. Thank you, Zach. We always try to make a, a big impression. You know, it's like ICAST is the Super Bowl for our, our company and we try to win awards and we try to make a big impact and release a lot of products. And obviously you can tell how busy the booth was, how much of an impact we made this year. So it was cranking the whole time, which is awesome. A lot of people came by, made a, a of course, saw a lot of old friends, made a lot of new friends, which is very important too. And, and got to do a little bit of everything at the show. Next year is going to be bigger. Can't wait till next year. Oh, 100%, man. You did a top-notch job. Uh, now, you're also a fishing charter captain, man. So how are you juggling being the director of pro staff and uh, doing your fishing charter, man? That's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. And building rods with two kids, a wife, a dog. So <laughs> it's, it's uh, I love what I do, Zach. I've, I tell people, I've, uh, since I've been in this industry, I've, I've never really worked a day in my life. It's been an absolute pleasure. So uh, I've been very blessed to be with American Tackle. And when I have somebody book way in advance, you know, they're, they're very flexible with me. Thank goodness for that, first and foremost. But uh, I usually run mo the majority of my charters on the weekends now. Yeah, so getting to what you do for American Tackle as a pro staff director. Now, a lot of companies are doing pro staffs now. And, uh, you know, it's your job to pick the very best and brightest anglers among the country uh, to represent an awesome brand, man. So can you go into what you really do as a pro staff director and what that really entails? Absolutely, Zach. Well, first, you know, the job is to find very talented anglers like yourself that do a variety of things on a variety of platforms. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be on social media. Sometimes it can just be a tournament director. It can be somebody very involved in fishing tournaments to have engagement with anglers. But my job is to seek those individuals out, vet those individuals, make sure you know we're not getting absolute psychopaths on the uh, on the pro staff team, and, and to make <laughs> sure that they fit with the company. And they are, they are good fits for the company and to explain to them, of course, the benefits of being a pro staff and how it really is, uh, it's a partnership, Zach. And, and you know, I'm sure you've seen this too, but in your experiences with American Tackle, a lot of what we do benefits both of us, always. Oh, 100%, man. Now, picking through pro staff, you must look at everybody. And it's kind of interesting how American Tackle does their pro staff because you actually, uh, you guys actually market like packs of soft plastics, rods, reels, all kinds of stuff just for your pro staff. So, you know, these people joining are getting incredible discounts, man. Whose idea was that, dude? <laughs> it started before my time, and, and a lot of the guys before me really spearheaded the campaign. Of course, Austin adopted it. He's put so much work into this, and then I, I now I get to oversee a lot of the stuff. So with the whole pro staff, it, it's, we're trying to build 
brand recognition through our pro staff sack. So I, I heard a great example of what American Tackle does the other day in conversation with uh, Kevin Landers, our marketing manager. He said that American Tackle is the brand behind the brands. And that is what we've done for so long. We work with the biggest rod companies in the world. And if you've fished long enough, I guarantee you've used our stuff in the past without ever realizing it. Because we will work with those companies and we will produce and help uh, make rods for those companies and they'll sell them to the consumers as their own. So if you pay close attention, sometimes you will see, you know, a lot of American tackle components on the rods you currently use. So as building the pro staff is building a grassroots program where people can recognize American tackle now. Now we have anglers in the field showing people this is what American Tackle does, speaking with American Tackle, representing American Tackle and all the gear that we now make for specifically for pro staff as well. Because our components in the past have been, you know, directly wholesale, you know, components. But now having that direct to consumer, all of our soft plastics, our hard baits, our, our soft baits, our fluorocarbon, two types of braided line, backpacks, terminal tackle, you name it, we do a lot of stuff for bass fishing and inshore fishing when it comes to our pro staff gear, our angler products. Yeah, 100%, man. And that's what I like so much being a pro staffer. I get all those awesome deals. And uh, so anybody interesting, interested in becoming an American Tackle pro staff, how can they do so? Well, uh, if you would like to become a pro staffer, there is an application that you guys can check out. And that's gonna be on americantackleanglerproducts.com. And there will be a drop-down bar, whether you're on your mobile device or a laptop or, you know, a, a, a iPad, um, for you to enroll for the American Tackle Pro Staff. I get that application, and I usually will reach out to you by phone call, usually by phone call. Sometimes it'll be by email, but usually it'll be by phone call to talk to you and see what you do. It's a very personable company, and, you know, that's what a lot of our pro staff, the the, the comments and the positive remarks I get about it is that we're real people. You can actually talk to somebody. I personally will call you and speak with you and see what you do and how you can benefit and how we can benefit each other. So that's, that's kind of the unique part about it. And, you know, you mentioned earlier the brand behind the brands. And I've seen the microwave line guide on so many rods now. I've seen them on Lou's rods, Cassian, Stealth Sticks, Fitzgerald rods, uh, Cast King, man. You guys are like, and those are like top brands, man. Those are like some of the best brands in the industry, especially like Lou's and Cassian. You know, all those brands are big. And, man, you guys, they're using your gear. Uh, where do you see American Tackle going in the next five to ten years, honestly? Oh, uh, on every rod, hopefully. That's that's the game plan, Zach. I mean, we do so much for so many different companies. Those are just the companies we can name. I mean, we grow and grow, and we've seen tremendous growth over the past several years um, to the point where now it's, it's going to be, you know, some big stuff in the works coming down the line. I can't really speak so much about it right now, because it's uh, still being hashed out, but it's it's uh, you're gonna see a lot more of American tackle in the near future, which is it's a, a blessing and it's a, it's really an honor to be with a company that's evolved so much over a short period of time. Even though we've been in the business for over 40 years, you know we, this growth has has been tremendous for us. 
Now, you, we were talking about rod building, and we can't talk about American Tackle without rod building. And you're a rod builder yourself. And I have to admit, I'm not very knowledgeable on the subject. I know what a real seat is. I know what the handle. I know what uh, the, the line guides are. Uh, <laughs> I know what a rod blank is. But I'm not the most knowledgeable, knowledgeable guy. Uh, so what is basically, what are some of your babies that American Tackle showcases that you've come up with yourself? Oh my goodness. Well, I haven't developed anything. I've helped test a lot of stuff. I, but, uh, you know, there are the specific guys, um, a part of American Tackle, that do most of the development side. Now, when it comes to, uh, you know, to putting the stuff to the test, I can definitely help with that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's all part about, you know, catching the fish and being on the fish. And that's been awesome for me to see, actually see the birth of new products and to be there when discussions are made of new products and to see that product be released at a show like iPass, it's, it's yes, that is amazing to me. It's a, it's a dream come true, actually, Zach. So it's always been, you know, a dream of mine to do something like that and actually see something start to finish come into the fishing industry. And it's uh, it's, it's kind of crazy when you, when you do actually experience it. Um, but to go into the rod building thing, you know, I, I started repairing rods when I was working in Key Largo. And the gentleman that taught me was a gentleman by the name of Ricky Rods. He does a ton of business down there and builds a ton of custom rods. Um, but Ricky showed me how to repair guides for the, the store I was working at in Key Largo. Um, and from then, you know, it was, it was a great way to make a little extra money on the side. Because, of course, being in that field, we see a lot of repairs that need to be made to rods. Got, you know, inserts pop out, tip tops pop out tip tops tips break and need a tip top maybe to use as a spare rod or a rod with a different action um, so that was my experience getting into it but i still had no idea what it took to build a rod from a to z until i began with american tackle and i started working with guys like alex funky don morris darren heim alex heim all those guys have been austin todd of course all those guys have been tremendous in my uh, let's say growth into rod building. Even though I don't, I'm not, I'm not the best rod builder by any means. I can build a pretty nice rod. I can build a very functional rod, even better. And and even more than that, my clients now really appreciate the having all the top notch gear on the vessels. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Do you build your own rods for your fishing charter? Absolutely, absolutely. And when I transitioned from American Tackle, uh, when I transitioned to American Tackle, uh, it was a big change because I had to let go of so many rods I had acquired over the years. But let me tell you that having the best components on the best blanks, like it was noticeable from one day to the next, the customer's reactions on the boat. They're like, wow, <laughs> this is so light. And a lot of the times they're saying, this is the best rod I've ever used. I'm like, yeah, thank you. I, I made it. And that's when they're even more impressed. They're like, you made this thing? I'm like, yeah, I, I made it. And this is what I do with this company, wonderful company I work with, American Tackle. <laughs> so that it's impressive to see the look on people's faces when they get to use stuff that I build and that I have designed specifically for the kind of fishing I do. Wow, what are you working on right now? Like what's something that you're working on in your workshop there? Oh brother, I'm staring at actually about four different projects right now. I'm looking at <laughs> one, of my favorite actually slow pitch jig rods so if you're not familiar with that technique it's really been picking up in popularity and what it is 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 
fish have, you know, let's say bite windows. And we've all experienced it where, you know, you're out there and it seems like the light switch turns on, the fishing just becomes fantastic or the, the fish just start biting. Um, and, and usually when we're offshore fishing, we can mark fish and we can find fish. The key is to getting the fish to bite in a, a variety of variables. So what the slow pitch application does for us is it allows us to, to get the fish to react to a lure, even though they're not in a biting of a feeding mode. So we work this lure and that's what the rod is for, the slow pitch jig rod. So what I'm building right now is the Bushido Nanofiend Slow Load. It's a 6.6 and it looks like a toothpick, but it's designed to catch fish like amberjack, tuna, mahi, uh, a lot of bottom fish like grouper, snapper, um, all types of other stuff. We did some filming with it the other day, caught some really nice red snapper and sea bass. And that's a blast because well, we were catching fish that were you know 14 inches and then catching fish that were 25 pounds, all on the same bait, wow. all on the same rigs. So very, very cool. It also showed um, showed me that with this application, it's 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 engineered to be like so light in your hands. It's uh, it's kind of impressive to know that gear that light can manage you know 80 pound fish, 70 pound fish to the boat. So here's a question for you. Yeah. Here pretty soon, I I want to make a um hmm, a cinco rod for bass Ooh. fishing. Something that can throw a weightless presentation a you know a fair distance i want to be able to launch that sucker down the bank if i need to uh, what do you think i could put together man zach you know for me like weightless senkos one of my favorite blanks to go with is a mag bass blank first and foremost and that's because of the action a lot of times i fish bass fish down here it's through cover and i need to have a very fast action rod because we Texas rigged those baits and you want to penetrate that hook through that plastic and make sure it sets in that fish, get that fish out of that cover. But here's a unique part. If you want to throw the weightless Senko, you want something with a fast taper, something with a lighter tip that's going to load that Senko and be able to cast it the distance where the fish are. So that's, for me, that blank is an MB73, eight to 15. That's my favorite uh, weightless Senko rod. Um, I also do like a 6.8. The 6.8 I prefer in the same action for like a 10 to 17, 8 to 15 for skipping docks, stuff like that. It's a little bit shorter, more, more accurate for me, but the action of those mag bass planks is fantastic when it comes to power, like the perfect balance between weight and power. Because it's, it's impressive when you can, you know, on those weightless Senkos, get a bite from a big fish. You never know what's going to bite. <clears throat> it could be a 12-inch bass. It could be, you know, a 10-pound bass. So when you get that bite, you want to know you have the equipment to get it out of where it needs to, you know, get it out of the structure and the cover and bring it where it needs to be. Man, that's incredible. Now, what about chatter bait? Something that's a little stiffer that's going to get that bait chattering faster. You do want there's a you do want something stiff, but what I prefer for a chatterbait is something that has a little bit more moderate action. And one, it's gonna help cast, it's gonna help increase the search distance of that bait. It's also gonna help that lure run true as well. And a lot of the times, you know, with chatterbaits on a rod that's so heavy, that's so fast, man, you can bend a lot of the components on those baits. I've seen guys, you know, actually straighten hooks and and bend stuff all and jack these these chatter baits up because they're using such a heavy rod so it's it's nice to have a rod that loads a little bit 
But when you get it stuck in grass or get a big fish, for me, those are like the LS blanks. So a light saltwater blank, even though it identifies as a light saltwater, it's what we call moderate fast action. <clears throat> so it tends to shut off power further down. Mag bass blanks tend to shut off power further up towards the rod, giving you that nice fast crisp action. For those chatter bait rods, that moderate is fantastic, I think. Moderate fast. Now, what's your favorite jig rod? Last one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really like the MBs too. That's I have to go back, but there is another blank that we do make. It's the spin jig blanks. I even have guys, I, I'm building something, you know, in the extreme models now. I have another of our pro staffers on the UCF, you know, bass fishing team building something in a blank like our Bushido Nano Fiend Extreme specifically for jigs. So even though all these blanks are designed for, you know, so many different applications, the way you and I fish, Zach, might be very, very different. You're going to find something that I think is better for something else in a blank. So it, that's the also the beauty of rod building is, is really it's like it all depends on the water you fish, the areas you fish. You're going to find an application for a blank that I never thought of sometimes if you really do some digging. So it's kind of cool, but I see that all the time. And, and, you know, some guys can be very, very creative as rod builders and use uh, stuff for all different applications throughout fishing. So um, it, it never ceases to amaze me how many different things you can do with all the different options and rods and blanks that American Tackle offers. Yeah, there's a little bit of everything, man, and the style and some of that stuff. And, and so, when I was at ICAST looking through the cases, I can almost imagine myself building a lightsaber. And that's how cool, like, these rod components look. I mean, someone needs to make a fishing pole that's like a lightsaber at the base, man. But getting into that more a little bit, say someone's new to rod building. Um, say me, for example, and I want to, um, on the American Tackle website, and, you know, what are a few tips you would give me starting out for the first time building my first rod? Oh my goodness. I mean, some of the tips, there is so much information out there, guys, especially online, but some of the resources that I use a ton of, uh, of course, American Tackle Rod Building on Facebook, our YouTube channel has a ton of information when it comes to our components. <clears throat> I would also recommend that you know you look into things like the custom rod builders guild that guild even though the name is very intimidating you think you're joining a guild um there's so <laughs> much information man they're full of information there's you know probably hundreds yeah. of years of rod building experience at your fingertips you know with a phone call with a type of a, a stroke of a keyboard so it, it's there's also other stuff out there of course american tackles uh sponsors this forum but bloody decks outdoors um, that has a rod building forum and American Tackle's, you know, a, a huge supporter of that. If you guys are more on the West Coast, California style rods, they have a ton of information out there how to build some really cool rail rods, bluefin tuna rods, stuff for that kind of market as well. Uh, but there's, if, if you guys really have questions, I mean, I'm just a phone call away. There's a technical support line. I will walk you through A to Z on how to build a rod. Now, that's, that's never an issue for me because, like I said, Zach, I really love what I do and I take pride in teaching people and sharing my experience. What little experience I do have in rod building and especially helping me <laughs> get into rod building. Well, you mentioned yellowfin tuna, and that's a cool fish, man. That's one of my, on my bucket list, and they get so big. So let's just say, for example, I'm going to go tuna fishing. 
what kind of rod setup would you build for that situation? I would build a AXST 5.6 extra extra heavy. And that will allow you to put it like a 50 wide on there, or 30 wide on there. And that 5.6 length is great for stand up. And that's usually what I do. The boats we operate are usually center consoles, smaller vessels, faster boats that get out to the grounds quicker. And there's not a fighting chair. So it's not gonna be anything that you're attached to in that sense. So the AXST is what I see personally for the uh, yellowfin tuna fishery that we have across uh, in the Bahamas, we call across the other side. And what I see a lot of the guys use in the Northeast and even in you know the Carolinas and stuff for yellowfin tuna and stuff like that. So that's, that, that's what my go-to would be for that specific plank. And by the way, yellowfin's on my bucket list too. I still haven't caught one, Zach. Yeah, that's, a, that's one for me, man. And uh, speaking of bucket list, I just knocked something off of my mind. And that is to get on the local news for something completely ridiculous. <laughs> you told me about this. This is awesome, by the way. And of course, representing American Tackle with the hat on. But yeah, that's go Zach, you're, you're the man on that one. You got to explain that one to me, man. Oh, yeah, man. You know, we had a nasty storm rolling through. And I'm talking lightning coming down in my backyard. It was kind of spooky. But I waited for the lightning to go away. And I noticed our yard flooded higher than I've ever seen it before. Like, we get we got hit with just a monsoon of rain that came down for about over an hour. And, and probably several hours it came down. And it was at the point to where there was rapids running over the end of my driveway. So I said, man, it's now or never. I grabbed my perception kayak off its trailer and I dragged it down into my ditch. I launched it right across from my uh, mailbox and my trash can and I went down the ditch, man, and ditching back. And I ended up uh, sending that to the news and I ended up playing it on there. And it's kind of funny. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. And and you made the the news and i i need to get a screenshot of that one so we can put it up on the pro south page by the way <laughs> yeah i want to send you the video uh i got several videos and one of the videos you can see me and i'm wearing the american tackle hat and then I, some of it's gopro footage of course the uh the the rain was coming down i was getting drenched the entire time i was out there and uh, i walked into my living room and just stripped down butt naked <laughs> <laughs> ran in and got a towel i mean that's how soaked i was but man it was a lot of fun and you I know we it. were talking about uh getting soaked you know fighting a yellowfin tuna or definitely uh, a situation if you're not well equipped they might just pull you overboard and get you soaked now does american tackle do any like big like marlin fishing rods or like hardcore stuff like that oh yes we do we do we do a little bit of everything like that zach and and you know I've, I've been so blessed to do so many different types of fishing all like in so many different places that now I can see that why we have a room full of rods, a room full of blanks. And now in my house, why I have a rack full of rods, you know, that are getting ready to be built. Um, but uh, when it comes to like marlin fishing, I, I, there are so many different options and it really depends on where you're going marlin fishing as well. Because what I've noticed is if we go marlin fishing, uh, which is very common here uh, in the Bahamas, we don't get too much blue, like blue marlin in the, floor at, in the Florida Straits. It's very 
you know, we it's hit or miss, but it's not to say that there's any fences out there. We can catch blue marlin. It's just uh, rare. It's not a very, very common catch that we have or something we can go out and do on a regular basis. People do it all the time. Yeah. It's usually very unsuccessful in my opinion. But the, the best probably marlin fishing we have close to us is in the Bahamas. Um, and they're usually eating things like, you know, tuna and dolphin uh, that are schooling up on some of those areas. But what I've noticed is if you're, you know, marlin fishing in places like Mexico, the outfits are totally different than what we do in the Bahamas as well. So that's kind of the beauty. You, uh, it could be a seven foot blank that we're talking about, or it could be a five foot blank or a five foot six blank or a six foot blank. Uh, for a very similar reel, but built, you know, for a little bit different fighting application. So one would be like I mentioned, like stand up, and then the other one would be like in a fighting chair. Um, and one would probably be have, you know, like an EVA handle. The other one might have an aluminum, an all aluminum butt section, what we call an AUB, which I don't know if you know about those, but that's a heavy piece of equipment that American Tackle makes, which is extremely popular too. Something that a lot of people don't realize is on their rods already if they do that kind of fishing and they're using our stuff. See, a lot of the saltwater stuff is ancient Egyptian to me. And I am the kind of guy here in, in Southern Ohio where I will sit and daydream about going after marlin and tarpon and, and fishing for reds and going after yellowfin tuna, man. And oh, you guys are lucky to be down there in Florida. You guys have the opportunity to do all that. And uh, man, it's now getting into that, it's kind of what I'm gonna lead up to the next part of the podcast here is uh, you do a little of both. You do freshwater charters and you do saltwater charters and we want to get in some fish talk man i want to hear some stories and uh, i want to hear about how people can you know come down there and uh, let you take them out on an adventure man so we're going to take a quick commercial break and uh, we will be right back with captain mo Yak Legion is proud to represent American Tackle Company. With nearly four decades servicing the tackle industry, Team American Tackle is still leading the way with innovations and improvements that every angler will appreciate. Being avid anglers and rod builders themselves, they take pride in offering the ultimate in diversity, durability, and above all, performance. From rod blanks to reel seats, ferrules to finish, grips to guides. They are committed to providing the very best quality rod building components in the country. From custom rod building in small shops to overseeing rod manufacturing facilities and distribution of parts, their group of industry personnel has made their living with rod components for the last 38 years. This experience and their dedication to manufacturers, custom builders, and anglers are what define the American Tackle Company. Please enjoy their new website at www.americatackle.us. I want to give a shout out to Strictly Sail and Kayak in Blue Ash, Ohio for everything they've done for Yak Legion and the kayak fishing community. You can check out their new website at strictlysaleinc.com. They have over 350 kayaks in stock, and they have everything you need for kayak fishing and kayak recreation. 
on their new website. Uh, you can call them at 513-984-1907. Check them out, guys. You won't be disappointed. All right, we are back with Captain Mo. Now let's get into your fishing charter, man. So Captain Mo Fishing and Charters LLC is the name of your company. Uh, what Where are you based out of and where do you run your charters at in Florida? So I actually have quite a few areas <laughs> that we cover, Zach. Now, I, I also work with a great group of guides too. So whenever I'm not available, I can definitely refer somebody to somebody I partnered with and somebody that can take them and put them on fish. But if it's here in Central Florida and it's freshwater, I have a private lake uh, that's very close to Disney. So if anybody is visiting to the parks or the attractions, it's actually right above Magic Kingdom. Um, at night, I can actually see the fireworks and get a free show. So it's a really cool spot. But it's, of course, because it is private, it's very low pressure. Uh, and it has an abundance of fish. I actually put one of my customers on an 11 and a half pound fish this year at, in that wow. lake. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of other fish come in that trophy class range, uh, which what we consider a trophy here in Florida is uh, a fish about eight pounds plus. You know, you, you mentioned Disney. Uh, I know a guy that, that, did, that went down to Disney every year and they will actually do fishing charters but man he told me they were awful expensive <laughs> yeah they are um they are and the, that disney lake is really good too it's all part of the same watershed that essentially that i fish um but the, specifically the disney lakes you know we actually did some filming out there too this year it's it, yeah it's a very very good quality lake similar to what i do because it is probably you know running in the same direction and it actually flows down so they're probably getting some of my fish occasionally <laughs> <laughs> so you do fresh and salt water man uh, where do you do you think you do more more uh, do you do i'm sorry do you think you do one more than the other or are you kind of 50 50 on both it's about 50 50 zach and it really depends on the time of the year of course the best time of the year to catch those trophy bass is in the winter time and that's when a lot of my salt water slows down and you know uh, quite the opposite now now a lot of my bass charters start to slow down i still get requests for them of course all year but i i have a lot more requests for saltwater charters this time of the year because of the conditions that it allows us so you know i even will go down to the keys so that's kind of my neck of the woods zach a little bit of background about myself my father and i owned a commercial fishing business down in the keys and we we operated a 36 foot vessel to go out to the dry tortugas which is 80 miles west of key west we spent Sometimes, you know, two weeks out on the water catching fish like snapper, grouper, yellowtail to sell to the markets. Um, so that's that's where really where I got a lot of fishing experience from. So I take that into salt water. And up here, I do a lot of snapper. Of course, the main species of snapper is red snapper. Um, we do catch mutton snapper, mangrove snapper, lane snapper, kubera snapper. Uh, and, and, you know, occasional, you know, some of the rare snappers like dog tooth and stuff like that. Uh, vermilion snapper as well. And those are just, you know, kind of rounding off the snapper species, but tons of grouper, amberjack, uh, the occasional dolphin, occasional tuna. 
Uh, up here, we get a lot of cobia if you want to fish central Florida for the saltwater side of things. Um, but in the Keys, the great thing about it is, is, is the, the reef edge is so close to shore. It's a five mile run as opposed to up here in central Florida where we, we operate out of Port Canaveral. And that could be, you know, potentially a 30 plus mile run. You grew up doing this. You were your dad had to, had you out there for two weeks at a time, out there on the ocean catching fish. That's wild, man. Waking up and and seeing the Fort Jefferson at the Dry Tortugas, it never gets old. And I'll tell you how isolated an area it was, Zach. Sometimes we didn't get radio, like uh, like U.S. radio. We got more Cuban national radio than we did American radio, which is very unfortunate. It was very, very boring, the Cuban radio, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> it sounds like your dad had a huge effect in uh, you becoming a part of this industry, man. You must have had a lot of great memories with him. Oh, gosh. You know, and that's, that's my fishing partner. Unfortunately, we sold the business and we sold the vessel um, probably about 10 about nine, 10 years ago. Um, but he had a spinal fusion surgery and he has definitely oh. been the biggest influence in my life along with my uncles as well, which, you know, you know, Zach, it really does bring me a lot of very, very fond memories every time I hit the water. Cause I grew up on the water. My dad introduced me to fishing at a very early age with my uncle who was also involved in commercial fishing. So every time, I get to go out there and do some night fishing for snapper or throw some chum out the back of the boat or show somebody how I've done something because that's the way they did it as well. And maybe put my own spin and own variation, maybe a little bit more modern version <laughs> to kind of, uh, to kind of <laughs> update it a little bit. I, I get closer to them and you know, my, thank God my father's still alive, but those uncles, you know, a lot of them that showed me how to fish are no longer with us. And, you know, I really reflect back on that and I, I get to be close with them every time I talk about fishing. So they are, they never die in memory, Zach. They're always here with me. Man, I, that's amazing. And <laughs> you, you just threw me off with this. That's pretty amazing. Um, so starting as a kid, like when was the youngest you were out there with your dad? <laughs> so I like, can remember- diapers or? <laughs> I, well, I, I can remember catching a barracuda on a Mickey Mouse rod and that was pretty early. But <laughs> he was taking me on overnight snapper trips on smaller boats. Now, mind you, these probably weren't the safest boats either, but I, I remember sleeping on, snap, on some of the snapper trips we went on my brother was probably about, you know, three years old. I might have been about four, four and a half years old uh, when I started going on some of those night snapper trips with him. He used to, and then it, 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 it graduated so much, Zach. I can remember him pulling me out of school on Fridays to go on a weekend trip for snapper all weekend. I, I, I cannot tell you how fond I am of those memories. And this is why I am where I am today. I realized very quickly this is what I want to be doing with my life is showing people, teaching people how to fish, taking people fishing, because it's something that brings me so much pleasure. It really, really is. It's therapeutical for me. Um, it lets me bring my focus and my attention just to one thing, which is catching fish. Wow, man. <laughs> And 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 um, my brother will probably hate me for saying this, but he's he's more of the gun enthusiast. I'm more of the fishing guy. 
he just used to sleep on the boat all the time. I did the majority of the fishing. But, <laughs> you know, my dad used to tell me I was I, I had a couple screws loose. I, I was semi-obsessed with fishing when he realized we would come back from a snapper trip and fish the entire time, morning to night, to, from the moment we woke up to the moment we went to sleep. And then when we got back to the dock cleaning fish, we would have schooling tarpon behind the boats as we were cleaning fish. And I would start fishing for the tarpon. He goes, what are you doing? I said, catching a tarpon. He go, why are you doing that? We just fished for, you know, 48 hours straight, 72 hours straight. I go, it's a different fish. <laughs> it's, I haven't caught one yet. <laughs> and and that's, that, that's kind of my, my mentality. It's, uh, it's also brings me something that's a challenge, Zach. There's so many, and this is why I love bass fishing too now. There's, there's thousands of different baits. There's thousands of different techniques. There's different seasons. There's different patterns. Um, it's fish behavior. I'm kind of a fish geek, and it's a challenge for me to learn those different patterns and behaviors. Before moving on, let's relive one last memory here from from when you were out there for two weeks, and you know, doing all these overnight trips with your dad. What's the craziest thing that ever happened to you guys? You gotta have some crazy stories. Well, probably some of the storms, but those are bad experiences. So I'll keep them to the good ones. <laughs> the storms are definitely the most memorable part um, because they can be, you know, something that will make you start praying to God very quickly um, and uh, and hoping that you get back safely to see your family again. But the good experiences, I've been out there, Zach, and I've seen schools of fish that you could practically walk on, like yellowtail snapper, so thick that the water behind the boat turned yellow for hundreds and hundreds of yards. And I've caught grouper, you know, black grouper coming up and hitting topwater baits, <laughs> which is a bottom fish. And when you see a 40 pound black grouper do this, it's it's cool. And I, But the, what stands out to me, if you want to really want to hear a cool story, so we're chumming. This is a technique that we do. We throw tons of chum out there to get these fish schooled up behind the boat before we even start fishing for them sometimes. So as we're chumming, of course, it brings predatory fish, a lot of sharks, a lot of barracuda, a lot of amberjack, all that other stuff that eats our yellowtail snapper, our snapper, our smaller species of fish that we're trying to harvest. And so there's these two pelicans bobbing behind the boat back there. They're bobbing, they're hanging out with each other, they're relaxing, they probably flew a very long distance to get where we were and we're taking a break. And there was a tiger shark in the area. And I saw the tiger shark come behind one of these pelicans and just slurp it from the water. And what? that was very, very impressive. But what was even more impressive is the buddy he flew in with didn't move an inch. He stayed there for several more hours. And I, I was like, oh man, that's a brave pelican, you know? I, I was more impressed that the other pelican did not realize that his buddy he just flew in with was just, you know, consumed by uh, close to a 10 foot tiger shark stuff. Whoa, <laughs> I guess pelicans are pretty stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not the brightest, unfortunately. And actually, if you want a fascinating fact, a lot of them have eventually died because they go blind. They, uh, they hit that salt water flying, you know, so very, very fast at a very high velocity. Eventually, it, it does damage to their eyes and they become blind. So that's a fact I learned recently. If you were ever wondering how pelicans, they usually don't don't die of old age most of them die of probably starvation or getting too old and they go blind so oh wow i'm sorry so i had to put a damper on the end of this man blind <laughs> that was kind of was over. <laughs> well let's get back to 
talk about your charters here, man. Now, Saltwater, say I was going to come down there to Florida. I was going to, uh, you know, stay down there and maybe have dinner with your family. Uh, and I wanted to go out somewhere on the saltwater and just catch a lot of like the classic, like the groupers, um, just a lot of stuff you see the tourists catching down there in Florida. Uh, what would you What would you suggest we do? Well, it will definitely be a full day charter, and it'll usually be targeting bottom fish. So out of Port Canaveral, it'll be you know, like I mentioned, a full day, and on that bottom trip, there's probably fish like grouper, snapper, amberjack, triggerfish cobia potentially and then we have pelagic fish like kingfish mahi and tuna that occasionally will swim to the back of the boat that's always a pleasant mix while you're doing that kind of stuff um if but also down in the keys we get a little bit different species but similar fishing a little bit closer to shore but if you wanted to do that kind of stuff it's it's really what i love to do because it's what i grew up doing it's one of my specialties and not not to mention but a lot of the fish a lot of the species we catch out there for that kind of fishing, Zach, uh, they're very, very tasty. They make very good table fare, my friend. Oh, see, the if I go down there, I want to catch a variety. So, like, I'm not really, like, maybe my first trip out, I wouldn't be so concerned with getting, like, giant fish, but maybe just a variety of fish so I can knock off my bucket list. Ah, that sounds so like a good idea. Yes, and, you know, on the same areas probably a little bit more shallow doing a similar type trip you know we anchor up and we use something called a chicken rig or we'll do drifts over a productive reef and use something called a chicken rig and you're probably similar with it or familiar with it um you've probably seen one before but in different variations it's a high low rig so the weight goes on the bottom and then you have two hooks suspended above it and we usually put either squid cut bait a mixture of sardines and squid or a variety of stuff and what that does Zach is when you drop it down and you're fishing vertically like that a lot of if you want a mixed bag of fish those bottom fish will start pecking away at that chicken rig and those little pieces of squid will start to you know disperse through the water column down there and so when one of them finally gets hooked what he does is instinctively he regurgitates all the bait so it kind of creates a feeding frenzy he starts to freak out because he's hooked his buddy looks at him like what's going on and then he sees all this beautiful bait around your rig and he goes to eat it and hopefully eats the one with the hook on it uh, so i've in that instance i've caught sea bass triggerfish lane snapper vermilion snapper red snapper um, and even the occasional you know smaller sharks and a variety of other fish that all come off that one rig so you really never know what's gonna come off a chicken rig it's quite impressive so that's, that's what's good, and I would recommend something for who's a beginner. If you come down here and want to take a trip on a big party boat, that's probably what they're going to rig up for you. Man, that's interesting. I want to come down there now. Hey, man. So getting, into like, so getting into the freshwater fishing side of it, man, uh, how do you guys do your bass charter? Now, are you throwing soft plastics, or are you really used to like minnows or, or live bait? Oh, great question, Zach. That really depends on the individual. So I, I kind of have to feel you guys out. And if, if you want to catch a big trophy fish, my first recommendation is to fish the live shiners. That's going to be the best bet to catch the really big trophy bass. Of course, you can fool them into, into eating a soft plastic, but you know, you have to, they have to be in the right mood. You have to be in the right area. You have to present the right bait the right way. Whereas a shiner will do all the work for you, 
and that golden wild shiner is probably the main forage that bass absolutely love to consume down here if you've ever seen a, a golden wild shiner some of them are about the length of my forearm so they can be very very big i prefer the ones that are probably hand size maybe a little bit larger and we rig them you know on a variety of ways um, but usually using a kale style hook so a self-setting hook and that's the way to catch the really big bass now i have a lot of my customers want to learn spots they want to learn techniques that's when i can use just artificials all day and show them areas i like to fish for specific baits how i target specific species using certain baits um, and that is fun to me because you know of course it's more challenging it's always more challenging when you're using the artificials but much more gratifying when you can catch one of those trophy fish by fooling them to eat a piece of plastic What's the biggest bass a client has ever caught down there with you? Yeah, that'll be probably, you know, in the definitely in the double digits. There are occasions, unfortunately, where my scale has probably not worked on the boat. <laughs> um, it gets a little damp in some of the uh, in some of our uh, our hatches. Um, so what happens is that those batteries end up, you know, failing on us. And uh, I've had a couple of occasions where I will definitely put a fish, you know, into the close to probably 12 pounds, if not maybe at 12 pounds. Wow, man. Now, another bucket fish of mine that's down there in freshwater Florida is the snakehead. Do you ever go after them? Oh, gosh. You know, I'm, be it that I'm from South Florida, there's only certain areas that really have snakehead sack, and that's going to be like Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, that whole kind of region, which I, I unfortunately I don't fish, but I am very familiar with fish like peacock bass, and there are lakes that I fish now um, in Palm Beach, which have peacock bass, clown knife fish, hybrid striped bass, mine cichlids, all types of cichlids actually, and then there's really good largemouth bass fishing in there too. I actually took one of our our clients down there to go do some filming for his rods and. He, uh, he managed his first peacock and I managed some beautiful clown knife fish, but I'd actually filmed a show this year with Jim Crowley, uh, Jim Crowley Outdoors. And we went down to my neck of the woods in Miami, which is Southern Miami. Uh, and we did a whole episode in the canals of Miami fishing for peacock bass on top water. And that was a blast. Whoa, man, that would be amazing. Jim Crowley has a cool show. He's a cool guy, man. Um, now, yeah, man, what if I wanted to come down there and I wanted to catch the monster freaking peacock bass, man? Where would we go? How would you rig me up? I would say definitely meet up in Lake Osborne. Lake Osborne's in West Palm Beach, Florida. And that's, they have a great boat ramp. And that's where you have a shot at not only the peacocks, but those clown knives those hybrid bass, the largemouth bass, and the cichlids. So all those fish all in one area, all in one, all in one chain of lakes, if you will. So it's a really cool area. And I love fishing it now. I've actually become very, very fond of it. So how the long have you done your- late on the weekends. The jet skis will kill you out there. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on jet skiers. <laughs> Especially jet skiers at boat ramps and no wake zones. They just ignore those signs, it seems like. It's ridiculous. <laughs> now I lost my train of thought there. You got me thinking about the jet skis. I know. Yeah, It sounds like we have a lot of fun down there, man. How long have you been doing the business, like your own charter? So I've op been operating Captain Mo Fishing and Charter for the past almost four years now. Oh, 
So in those four years, what do you think is the craziest story you've ever had happen uh, on your fishing charter? Oh, gosh. Here, I got a good one for you. So um, red I love crazy snapper stuff. fishing, which is something I love to do, guys. It's a blast. And we're out there with uh, some of my customers, and it's a very, very good day, let's say. So it's almost every drop, everybody's hooking up. Multiple people are hooking up. And on one of the drops, I, I'm helping a customer because um, they're a little unfamiliar with some of the equipment. So as I hook up, I hand them the rod and the rod that they have in their hands, they put down on the deck. So not in the rod holder, which now I've learned to make sure I coach everybody, rods go in the rod holder. So as they're <laughs> riding this fish, I hear a loud bang, bing, bong, and the rod is bye-bye. Rod goes overboard off the side of the boat. Oh, no. And I already knew what happened. The bait was down there. A fish came up, ate the bait, pulled the rod right off the side of the boat. And so there goes, you know, about a $400 jigging outfit with, you know, another $200 jigging reel. <laughs> and, they, and I think I'm never going to see it again. And so we continue fishing the same area and his friend hooks up and he thinks he's snagged on the bottom. And so I go to, you know, handle the rod and I, I feel a fish tugging on it. I tell him it's not the bottom. You got a fish on there, you know, start fighting the fish. And so I let him start fighting the fish and he brings up a beautiful red snapper. Amazing, amazing fish, Zach. And, you know, I'm looking at this fish and I'm admiring this fish. And then I realize he's got two hooks in his mouth and one of the lines is going straight towards the water. And I think to myself, it's too good to be true. There's no way this is the fish that pulled my rod off the side of the boat. So I start to pull on the line and realize it's still going and going and going. And then I'm gonna get my rod back. <laughs> and I did. I managed to get the rod back and the customer was very appreciative of it because he thought he was gonna have to buy me another rod at the end of the trip. So that's a good story. Oh man, I mean, catfish did that to me one time. And I was at a, a private lake and I was a kid, man. I was like 16 or 17 and I had my rod out and we were using these bobbers that had lights on them. And uh, uh, I was sitting there, we were drinking a few beers, I'm sure, probably doing something we weren't supposed to be doing. And I wasn't paying attention to my lines. I didn't have my drag set. And all of a sudden I just heard kaplunk. I looked back and noticed that the light where my bobber should be is gone. And I looked down at my rod and I noticed my rod's gone. So while I'm kind of bummed out, it's a little bit later on in the night and we start to see this light popping up from underneath the water. And it's like coming up under the surface of the water and kind of illuminating the water in, in places. I was like, oh man, that has to be the catfish with, the, with that bobber. And so I took uh, my catfish rig up and I put a treble hook on. And I started casting out there to where I was seeing that light. And eventually I pulled up a fishing line. And then uh, my buddy Wes was there. I said, okay, you pull on this end of the line and I'll pull on this end of the line. So he started pulling one way, I started pulling the other. I pulled up the rod and brought it up on the bank. And then he pulled in the blue catfish that dragged it in. So oh, I ended up awesome. getting the fish and the rod back. <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome, Zach. I love stories like that. And actually, it kind of reminds me. And you know what? It's kind of related to the podcast because I, I do a little bit of kayak fishing. Um, I used to do a lot more of it, actually. Really? When I first moved to Central Florida, um, I used to go out with a one of my coworkers, and he took me to tons of wildlife refuges, which we hiked out a mile, two miles, a mile and a half to get to some of these ponds. And these ponds were very isolated. 
And so what they do here in Florida is if you have a abandoned limestone quarry or a rock quarry, um, they FWC will fill it up and stock it with fish and then call it a wildlife refuge. So a lot of these big pits, which we don't get in Florida, a lot of the deep water, I can launch a kayak into and bass fish. And I've had days where literally between two people, Zach, we probably caught a hundred plus fish in in the day of fishing. So it's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now it's not the best managed ponds. There are some very, very big fish, but the abundance of small fish is definitely there. So if you're looking at, you know, catching a lot of fish, they're very, very fun, but I'll give you a quick story. So fishing one of these ponds with my buddy, I go out there on the kayak and we saw a pretty good sized gator that day while launching into there, which is not uncommon for the area. So uh, I took out my fly rod, which I absolutely love to do, especially for bass. So while fishing, I cast, while fly fishing, I make a cast and I start to strip and you know, nothing bites it. So I leave the fly out and I, I actually slow troll the fly sometimes. So I'm backpedaling. And as I'm doing that, the rod flies out of the rod holder. And as I go to try to catch the rod, to, before it says bye-bye, Zach, I roll the entire kayak. And all my stuff is oh, not strapped in, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and it was a cold day, Bubba. A cold day for Florida, at least. And so all the gear goes into the water. I managed to right the kayak very quickly because the first thing in my mind is that gator is pretty hungry. So I right the kayak very quickly, get back on it. My friend you know, tells me he's never seen anybody actually get on a kayak that quick in his entire life, which I'm, is pretty impressive. So um, uh, I get, I, my buddy finds the fly rod, which I land the fish. It's my biggest fish on fly, which I'm not very happy about because all my stuff is floating, you know, around me right now in this little pond. So I start trying to recover all my gear. All my rods and reels are in the water except for that one fly rod side. And my buddy's oh, no. paddling around and sees one single strand of braid that has floated to the surface. And he goes, hey, were you using uh, this color line? And I go, yes, I was. And he followed it all the way back to where the kayak originally rolled. I dove down 10 feet to the bottom and recovered all of my gear except for one box of hooks. So I was very, very happy. And no gator attack either. Even better. <laughs> and gator infested waters at that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a. You guys got a lot of hazards down there, man. I mean, you got sharks in the freshwater. You got gators and poisonous snakes in freshwater. There's yeah. all kinds of things going to kill you in Florida. Pythons. You got python problem down there. Yeah, you know the the gators are not so bad, Zach. Um, I have more probably negative experiences with crocodiles. I have a few, you know, negative encounters with alligators, but the majority of them are very afraid of us. We're, we're, their, we're their natural, you know, predator, the one natural predator for them. We've been hunting them for a very, very long time. So they know that they should steer clear of people. The problem is, is when people start to feed those gators, those gators relate people to food. And that's when we get nuisance gators. And those gators have no fear of man. They come straight up to you and they associate you with, you know, a cheeseburger or a marshmallow or something. Well, it's just like the man-eater Jeff Corbin uh, killed in India back in uh, 14, uh, yeah, 1914 around there. And that lion had been shot by another, not a lion, it was a tiger. The tiger had been shot by another hunter years prior. And a part of the jawline on the tiger was broken. So the tiger didn't have the strength to bite into like cattle and deer and the stuff that the, the tiger's normally hunting. 
So it became easier for the tiger to hunt human beings. And it got to the point to where it killed over a human, uh, over a 100 human beings in India. And you just never know if there's a man-eater out there, man. You know? <laughs> it's fascinating because, you know, uh, it's, it's crazy. But fish, they adapt just like that tiger did. You know, fish adapt yeah. to human behavior. And I see it all the time, especially as a commercial fisherman. You know, when we go out there, I used to have Goliath Grouper follow our boat in because they heard it was a diesel engine. For a fish to know the difference between a combustible engine, a gasoline engine, and a diesel engine, that's pretty impressive, Zach. So when we actually used to roll into port sometimes, the Goliath grouper would follow us because they knew we were getting ready to clean catch in a certain area. So that's just part of animal, how we affect animal behavior and, you know, learning that behavior to become, you know, of course, a, a better skilled angler, a better skilled hunter, if you will. Oh, absolutely, man. So let's talk about your boat for a minute, man. I know you want to talk about her. I know she's your baby. So what are you running your charters on, man? So the bass charters and uh, a lot of the inshore stuff, I, uh, I have a flats boat, very similar to an action craft. It's a 17 foot vessel, a polling platform, trolling motor, uh, you know, Garmin electronics. And that vessel can, does a little bit of everything for me, Zach. And that's the smaller, the smallest one, if you will. And usually I like to take two to three anglers on that boat, um, but preferably two uh, for the bass and the inshore charters. Uh, but our bigger vessels, so I operate a 28-foot sailfish down in Key Largo, which I do some of the reef fishing in. And then out of Port Canaveral, I operate a 25-foot game fish by Sea Hunt. And that is a beauty. I love wow. that boat. It's got twin 150 Yamahas. It has, you know, a misting, uh, misters on our T-top. It has a head for when people need to use the facilities and maybe don't want to jump in the water in the shark-infested waters. So that, that's, that's a really nice boat. I, I do enjoy that boat. That's one of the newer vessels we've run. And it's been a, a very solid boat for us. Not to mention that the design of the hull is extremely dry. The, the hull, the, the ride is very, very dry. So even in rough weather and maybe not the most favorable conditions, we can have a safe you know, crossing and have a, a good time with our passengers getting soaked and having to worry about getting wet and cold all day long. So do you have a lot of people working for your charter? Or is it mainly just you? So what it is, is actually I take the majority of people on those charters, Zach. But what it is, is uh, I actually refer folks to people like, you know, Captain Goggles. Um, if you want to do a bass charter, he's somebody I work very closely with, or Captain Austin Keaton of Native Bass Charters. So it's kind of a, a very close-knit community I have here, where, you know, if, if they have, you know, something that I need to cover, or if I have something they can cover for me, it's uh, I can do it. But if I can take that charter, I definitely will try to. But trips for like, you know, the offshore trips, the full day offshore trips, it's better to book it way far in advance so we can make sure we can arrange, you know, accommodations and make sure the vessels are prepared to take everybody out. Because um, of course we do other things with those vessels as well. Like what other things? Um, so we do actually like private charters too. So they're actually owned by a couple private owners, the bigger boats. And on those bigger boats, you know, they do like pleasure cruises and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, big party. Probably some wild stuff goes down down there. Dolphin in watches. Especially in the West Keys, man. <laughs> Dolphin oh. watches, manatee spot, manatee watches and sunset cruises, that kind of deal. 
So if I was coming down to Florida and any listener that's interested in, in doing a charter for Captain Moe's Fishing and Charters LLC, uh, how can we book a trip? How can we get a hold of you? Hey, best way to get in touch with me, Zach, just call me. Number is 786-326-8926. We also have a Facebook page, of course, Instagram page. You can follow us at Captain Mo Fishing and Charters LLC on Facebook, or you can check us out on Instagram at Cap, or I'm sorry, on Instagram, Mo is Fishing. That's kind of like the title. So M-O-I-S, Fishing. And then if you ever have any questions related to American Tackle, Pro Staff, want to join the Pro Staff, have a question about a component, um, you can reach me at the office as well. And that there is a, a specific number, uh, a direct line for me, and that's going to be 888-516-1750. Wow, man. And we'll have that information down there in the show notes. So anybody listening, you can just scroll down and uh, you, you'll be able to find those numbers easy. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, Captain Mo. Uh, well, you heard how people can follow your charter. How can people follow you online? Yeah, though, just those same platforms, actually. You know, a lot of people reach out to me through my social media accounts. So definitely, you know, go check out Mo is Fishing, Captain Mo Fishing and Charters on Facebook. Uh, I'm working on creating a website. So I have, I'm in discussion with some web designers. So hopefully that will be in the works soon. Nice, man. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And you got any shout outs? Hey, well, you know, thank all my pro staffers, first and foremost, and thank guys like you, Zach, and for promoting American Tackle and, 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 of course, keeping the brand up like that. And uh, any other shout outs, you know, I, I really appreciate this, everybody, and where I am today. And if it wasn't for guys like you, Zach, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be where I am at American Tackle still. So thank you for that, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. you coming on the show, Captain Mose. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, keep your drags tight and watch your lines. They'll go overboard and they'll go in the water. <laughs> you don't want to lose your line to a catfish or a red snapper. No, sir.